0: Hi, it's good to be with you again today as we conclude our series, this five-week series on mission. It's been great, hasn't it, to have a variety of preachers uh, sharing what God was want- wanting to teach us out of this wonderful passage in Acts 15. It was good to hear from Mark early, wasn't it? Great to see Mark's face on camera and just him sharing what he's doing at this stage in the life of our national, of our denominational mission, uh, global interaction. Uh, Mark, of course, uh, served here with us at Dural for a period of time and much of our youth work was actually built on the work that he he commenced here. And then Val, of course, was really the person who instigated some of the, the work which we now very much appreciate in ministry, in prayer, in the life of our church. And it's great that we can continue to support not only them, but also our denominational mission in their work overseas. In fact, Global Interaction has this great heart to say we want to reach people who've never heard about Jesus in places that are locked away. And in fact, that's really underscores the core message that comes out of this passage in Acts 15, as Luke records this, this really significant moment in the history of the church, as the church has to grapple with the reality of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and what do you need to do to be a follower of Jesus? And so here in this passage, we, we see this, this, this critical moment where there's this an agreement by this uh, council, by this group of people gathering together to say, no, 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 it's not about the other things you've got to do. It's simply about belief in Jesus. It's not, it's not having to do certain things because they're culturally appropriate. That's not what this is about. And that's what Global Interaction is about, absolutely, in terms of their work of, of wanting to empower communities to develop their own distinctive ways of following Jesus. Yes, follow Jesus in your cultural context. And that's what really what the Council of Jerusalem was about. Did these Gentiles who were coming to faith, did they have to become Jews? Or could they still be believers, Gentile believers? Who didn't have to adopt jewish practices now over the last few weeks we've unpackaged some of that and and this morning i want to come to in fact watch is the conclusion of this the the council's come to a decision they've made these uh, these decisions and we come today to just have a look at these last few verses of this passage in, in acts 15. let me read it to us If you've got your Bible there I encourage you to follow it along uh, as we just ask ourselves what are the things in here that the Lord wants to say to us today so as I read it I'm praying the Holy Spirit will just touch each of us that we'll hear the sense of what does this passage got to do with me and what are you asking of me Lord out of this passage so uh, reading Acts uh, chapter 15 and from verse uh, 23 and then the Apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and sent them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers. With them they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria and Cilicia, greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm confirm by word of mouth and what we are writing, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You have to abstain from food, sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality and you do well to avoid these farewell and then the text continues just to say the men were sent off and went down to Antioch and then they gathered the church together and delivered the letter Yeah, you know, as i read this passage i get a couple of things uh, uh kind of resonate with me as, as i understand what was happening here you see the hard work had been done they'd gathered they'd listened they discerned and they agreed yes you don't need to become anything other than what you are to become a follower of Jesus you don't need Gentile believer to become a Jew to become a believer and a follower in Jesus and we've arrived at that conclusion that was not an easy decision given the bulk of the people in that council meeting were Jewish people, were Jewish background believers who had come through that whole history and all of the the particular rules and regulations were a part of Jewish belief systems. But they'd been transformed by the reality of Jesus' love. They'd come to a place of understanding that his death on the cross and his resurrection were absolutely sufficient. And there was nothing more that needed to be added to that. And as they come to that profound moment, uh, then they decide, what are we going to do about this? And so they agree, they'll write this letter. And so we have that letter there. You see, what, they'd, see, what they'd, they'd come to recognise was that the foundation had been laid. But now that had to be declared, shared, distributed, like proclaimed. Let no one be confused that faith in Jesus is the key. It's not about tradition, it's not about culture, it's about faith. And that's no less true for you and for me today. Our journey in step with God is about our understanding of Jesus' love for us and our personal response to that. Whatever our tradition or our background, whatever we come from, it's that key is the issue for us. Is Jesus my Lord and Saviour? Am I investing my life in him? That, that's the key for us. As it was the key then. But of course, that needs to be told, doesn't it? Because even in our contemporary world, there are people who are still confused. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What do I have to do to do that? What are the things that, that must be done? What are the traditions I need to enact? And the Council of Juice said, no, 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 no. It's about knowing Jesus and who he is for you and so as Peter says in verse 10 now then why do, we tr- why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear no we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are <laughs> what a tremendous proclamation for all of us irrespective of our background our ethnicity our traditions our failures to know it's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ by which we're saved. Who wouldn't want to go and share that? And, of course, that's the first thing I see in this passage. So having got to that point, they know this has got to be shared. And so what do they do? They say, we'll we'll, follow. we'll send out some people. And so they say that specifically, that we're going to, to identify some men to send back with Paul and Barnabas so that this can be shared You see, the early church is a sending church. If we're going to be in step with God and his mission, we're going to understand our primary posture is one of sending and being sent. So what do they say? They said, that's what we'll do. And, of course, you have the echoes of Jesus' words. You have the echoes of the Father's words. For God so loved the world, he what? He sent his son. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And, of course, Jesus, the great command in Matthew 28, go, 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 go into all the world, cross every boundary, cross every culture, go and share the good news of Jesus. Uh, They're powerful words, aren't they? Inspiring. But they need to become more than just inspiring words. They need to cause action. And that's exactly what we see the Council of Jerusalem recognising and knowing. It's all very well for us to have made this decision, but now it has to be made known to people all over, particularly back there in Antioch where the problem was first arised. And so they send, they send these two men to go back and share that. As I reflect on the 120 years of baptist history through global mission through uh, global interaction i recognize that is at the core of what that's about in 1882 two young women are sent out to india to begin that great history of australian baptists committed to understanding that a part of their core reality is to be sent because as disciples of jesus we're on his mission it's a sending mission and and we need to continue to recognize that but, of course, what we need to recognise is it didn't mean the Jerusalem church didn't still have a call to its own area. Yes, sir, they short, they sent out these two men, but there's two men out of their company. The rest of the company was still heavily involved in the reality of mission in their area. And that's no less true for us. As we contemplate again our commitment to, to being sure that we're a community of people who are open to being sent and sending, we also recognise, of course, of our strong commitment to our own local communities. And we've heard some of that over these last few weeks. We've reminded ourselves of, the, of, the, of the, inv- on the investment in work in, in areas like in Galveston High School. We've been aware of our investment as a church in our areas through the men's shed and the impact of ministry that's happening on the south coast. The young kids from Halls Creek who are getting a much better education because of the willingness of us as a community people to say, no, we recognise we have, we have opportunities here to share the good news of Jesus. Yes, in your neighbourhood, in my neighbourhood, to be able to, to share the wonder that Jesus has come to liberate for hope. And goodness, in this COVID-19 season, when there's so much that's unclear and so much anxiety, <laughs> again, the shelves being stripped bare in Victoria at the moment, as that outbreak there causes more anxiety. Here's the wonder of it. But we don't have to worry. We, we follow. We follow a Lord who in a ship with, on a boat on the lake of, 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 of Tiberias with his disciples, in the midst of that storm, wants to remind us too, in the midst of our storms, he is the Lord. He is the one who can say, just trust, just trust. And that's the message that we have to take out. But sadly, in some ways, as I reflect on it, but not just that message, but even our own posture in some of this, sadly, but we often become so concerned about our own issues and so self-absorbed that we lose track of what's going on. As one person said some time ago, he said, you know, the reality is that so often the church, when left to its own resources, becomes self-centred. Someone called it the second law of dynamics for, for the Christian church and it's true in a way. We, we need to remind ourselves that we have this obligation just like the church in Jerusalem did to, to be aware of the needs of other communities and to go and to send and to do that. So being separate God's mission means our commitment to be a part of the process of sending people. If I think about the history of our own church, I remember a period when uh, some 20 years ago now a group of people were commissioned by our church to go out and to plant another church out in the Kellyville area, which continues to minister effectively at that place. A willingness by couples and families in our church to say, no, we're willing to go in this church commissioning them and sending them, resourcing them, sustaining it over those first years of, of that ministry being established. So in some ways we talk, I talk to a group of people who, who in our history, that's been a part of us. But you know, we need to be constantly reminded of it because we can slip away into that sense of, well, what, what's right for me? And, and that sense of that selfishness that can come. So the first thing I see in this passage is a commitment to this strong, just the reaffirmation, the reunderscoring of the reality that to be a believer in Jesus means I need to be ready to be sent. I need to be open to go in fact i need to be going right now to my neighbors and to my communities and in ways which are appropriate in that situation to be able to share the love of jesus the second thing i see in this passage is is the, the is something that i've observed over my years in my role my wider role with australian baptist churches is that that where you see churches that have a vitality about them when you see churches that have a growth reality about them when you see churches that have an impact in their communities in a, in a sense when you see churches who are in step with God's mission you recognize there are people in that community who understand and who are committed to it and who help influence the leadership of that church to achieve that see here what do we see here if you if you read this passage again you quickly realize that Luke's record in act in chapter 15 of Acts here highlights several people who some some significant people certainly but people nonetheless people like you and me people with all their equally their foibles and their uh, and their concerns and issues uh, we meet people like paul and barnabas uh, peter and then james at the end who sort of sums it up and brings it all together see what i think the scripture here underscores for us again god chooses in his wisdom to use ordinary people uh, ordinary people who in some ways but become extraordinary only because of their willingness to say, Lord, I think this is beyond me. I don't think I'm capable of this, but I will do it. I, will, I, will, I hear the nudging of the Spirit. I hear the call that I hear now as I read this scripture and I'll take this step because I recognize you've been, you've been encouraging me to do this. And my prayer for you and for my prayer for myself, as I face some transitions too, is to say, Lord, help me hear the Holy Spirit give me ears to hear and then encourage me give me the courage that I'll do what I know you're calling me to do and so we see here these leaders who are committed to in unison and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as they say it seemed good to us under the Holy Spirit to then say what is God calling us to do I'm grateful for the leadership of global interaction over now over 120 years of, of men and women who've said, we, we continue to advocate for those people who have not heard Jesus. You know, the reality is, the church growth specialists tell us, the missiologists tell us, that one, uh, the one person in three in our world today will go from birth to death and never hear the name Jesus in a way it makes any sense to them. It's incredible, isn't it? When we think of how we're surrounded by the resources we have, the biblical resources. But you know what? What we know is in our own country, in our own neighbourhoods, in our own districts, in our own workplaces, we've got people who really don't have any idea who Jesus is. And even though they might have heard his name, they've certainly not heard it in a way which makes any sense to them. And so the challenge is as much to us here as it is to the places where historically we've sent missionaries. But we still need to be sending missionaries to those places and doing that sort of work, the sort of work that the youngs are doing in Malawi, as we heard from Pete last week. So I I just want to encourage us to recognise that we have this this wonderful challenge, and I'm so grateful for leadership that brings that to bear. And I'm grateful for the leadership of this church. And over our long history, we've seen that continued commitment. I mean, to summarise, obviously, partly in this, this month of May, which we're doing in June, but that's okay, um, this, this whole sense of how do, we, how do we resource these things we're committed to? How do we resource the work that goes on the Solomons, the work that's going on at Galston High? How do we resource, resource the work that Global Interaction does on behalf of us Australian Baptists? How do we resource the work of the work in Malawi that Pete and his family are doing? <laughs> you know, one of the tests, and this is the test I apply to myself, is it really has something to do with my wallet, <laughs> or maybe my credit card these days. It has something to do with how I spend my money. You know, missiologists tell us that for every $100 a church has to spend, it spends 99 on itself and only one on ministry, particularly to those people who have not heard about Jesus. So here's the test for me and the test for you. As we've been challenged this month again about these projects that we can be supporting, I wonder how much, how much, Lord, is my call in this to make a contribution to make this happen? Because we know ministry can't happen without resources. And I just feel so proud to belong to a church which has a strong commitment to that because of people, yes, ordinary people, you and me, who are willing to say, Yes, Jesus, we'll use our resources for the things that you prompt us to use them for. And so we'd use them. We use them. Uh, for, for areas like I've already mentioned, the kids coming from Halls Creek from Hall's Creek, who come down and, and have the opportunity of quality education. We use it for the work in the Solomons. We use it for the men's shed work and the tremendous work they're doing, the work at Goldston High. I think of the prison ministry we're involved in, the playgroup work that happens in the life of this church, and, and of course the sports centre. And I was reminded as I was driving in here just tonight, You know, how long did it take us to get the new building out of the ground? There's a sense in which, but it's out of the ground. And when it finally started to get built, we all went and rejoiced to say it's happening. You see, the Council of Jerusalem was the foundation. It was now laid. It was solid. This is about Jesus. That's the message this world needs to know. And now here's the foundation to build on. Well, that's our privilege too. again, this May, this June, to, to continue to be involved. Let me pray for us. Lord, you've reminded us again by the Council of Jerusalem that your love cannot be bound, that all people deserve to hear. Lord, we acknowledge our privileged position of knowing your love and ask by the prompting of the Holy Spirit that we will hear afresh your call on us individually and collectively to me into the being a sending community going out to share your love in Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.